Welcome to the Stories or Soul Food podcast with your hosts, Brian Cole and best-selling author, N.D. Wilson. This audio is brought to you by Cannonball Books and Great Homeschool Conventions. Okay. Episode 10. 32. <laughs> is it 10 or is it? It was nine last time. It's 10, yeah. Episode okay. 10. Are we confident with that? We, I am. Okay. Episode 10. Welcome to episode 10. That was nice. That, that, was, that, was, that was welcoming. This is the- Join us, won't you? <laughs> a fireside chat with ND. That's Brian Cole talking. He should say his name. My name is Brian Cole. <laughs> <laughs> Brian's the editor. What is the technical title that you hold? Yeah, I'm the editorial director of Cannonball Books. Editorial director of Cannonball Books. And other things. Amongst other things. Yeah. Uh, editorial whiz. Editorial whiz kid. And <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. I am Andy Wilson. I write stuff. Yep. So. And direct stuff. Uh, yeah. Occasionally direct stuff. Also produce stuff. Make things. Right. Among other things. Yep. Right now I'm wearing bogs that are covered in mud and large coverall overalls that are also covered in mud. And which genre does that belong to? Uh, world building. <laughs> <laughs> the new house world yeah. building genre. World building. It's called siding your house in the mud and the snow in Idaho. That's what it is. But it has equipped me to talk about our subject today, which is... Westerns. Westerns. Because <laughs> I've been in that Western landscape. Yeah. I've been out there with the coyotes and the, and the mud and the blood. Yeah. I like it. And our segue in is I actually wanted to find out how many of our readers heard you say, go read the story of Samson with their children and then didn't do it. Because <laughs> we hate you. <laughs> <laughs> because I think it connects really well with West, What's the, the book point, of Judges. What's the point of us telling you anything? <laughs> if, right. you if you don't do it. Uh, yeah. So, the it's even to kind of crack it open slightly wider than Westerns. But if you, if you read the Bible stories with your kids and you read them for real with your kids, you tell them the truth instead of lying, which unfortunately lots and lots of Christian parents do, instead of lying to your children about the Bible stories, tell them the true stories, tell them the stories. And then when you do that, start, you'll start to notice the echoes of those stories in modern storytelling, those stories you may, may or may not like. Uh, stories which the American people and which the entire global population definitely like. So, Westerns, but also superhero stories, you know, they all come downstream of the book of Judges, really. And the different Old Testament heroes who were all types, you know, prophecies of the ultimate hero who was coming. And of course, now as we approach Christmas, as we record this episode, uh, we're still celebrating his coming. So, I mean, the, the entire origin of the superhero genre is not indirectly an echo of the book of Judges. It is a direct echo. It was an intentional echo. It was created in imitation of the book of Judges by young Jewish writers and illustrators who were telling stories out of their yearning for the coming of the God-man. I mean, that's, that's what it was. So, mm. those superhero stories come from that. Westerns about the the outsider riding in from the wilderness to yeah. overthrow the always an unjust system. You come in to free a people. The story always, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's got that little whistle, 
going in the background. Yeah. yeah. You know, some little yeah. Western thing. Do, do, do. <laughs> Tumbleweed rolls by. You know, wh- whether it's Moses coming in from the wilderness or John the Baptist coming in from the wilderness or Elijah coming in from the wilderness, Elisha yeah. coming in from the wilderness. So like it's, yeah. these are those stories. David in the cave, even. You know, you have a hero who's in isolation in the wilderness uh, and an unjust, oppressive system that gets overthrown, that dirty sheriff yeah, uh, who's owned by that landowner. So, you know, that, yeah. that big rancher who's got the sheriff in his pocket, you know, like it's yeah. over and over and over again. So, Western stories make a lot more sense when you start to see the bones, the architecture that's underneath them, which is a judge. It's, yeah. a, it's a story straight out of the book of Judges. And also, early superhero stories. Now, there's so many iterations and hybridizations of them that have come down the line that it's, uh, you know, it's, it's tougher to see Iron Man as a direct descendant of Samson, but he is. Yeah. And, okay. that's, and that's true of all the Avengers. <laughs> like they, ultimately, the type of story and the structure of story is Samson-esque. Always right. Samson-esque. Yeah, so it, it's downstream, you're saying, of the moment when Samson was filled with the spirit and rips that lion apart. Like the, the, sort of, the superhero try and get that same sort of spirit-filled strength. Is that what the, what the Western, the, the gunslinger? So the, West, the Western, if we're talking about just Westerns, it's less Samson and it's all the judges. It's the concept of yeah. that, out, that outsider. Right, because back judges' theme would be there was no king in Israel and every man did what was right in his own eyes. Yeah, and then you have that one guy who has no he's he has no place in this world. And the western that's that's very typical of the westerns is you know, you somebody comes through and has no bone to pick. Sometimes there is a bone to pick and he's like a prophet of Israel and he's coming yeah. back to redeem Israel one and so the, yeah, a revenge western there. Yeah, and it could be biblical or contrary scripture. I mean it could it could cut with the grain or against the grain. Uh, but ultimately it's playing with those types. Yeah. And then, but somebody who has no place in this world, riding through, passing through this world and fixing things as he moves through, that is the book of Judges. Yeah. And at the end, off into the sunset. Right. You know, like continues to pass on and will on the other side of that horizon, pass through another place where he has no place in that world and he sets more things right in whatever town is over the next ridge. So, I mean, that's kind of, that is the format. And so it's Samson's included in that, uh, in that general yeah. type, has no place in this world, doesn't fit in this world. But Samson gave us superheroes more than Westerns. Gotcha. He participates in the, he's part of the headwaters of Westerns. Yeah. But he is sort of the headwaters of the superhero genre. The headwater, I should say. <laughs> and that is even more obvious because you have somebody with incredible strength. He has a superpower and he has a superpower that has a symbol, a totem that is the source of that power. Right. He has a weakness, a secret weakness. Mm-hmm. And you can sort of see how this all plays out. So with Iron Man, it's his heart. You know, it's, right. it's both a source of strength and also a vulnerability. Superman obviously had kryptonite. Yeah. And so on. And Batman, as a side note, this is kind of funny. I'm going far afield now. Batman. <laughs> we'll just call the episode Superheroes and Westerns. <laughs> Batman is the same thing as Zorro, is the same thing as a Western. Okay. Batman. Oh, wow. Okay, connect it for me. Batman has no superpowers. Yeah. Batman is not Samson. Batman is a billionaire in a bat suit with gadgets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, That's true. And, you know, he's the, the landowner. He's Don Diego 
who happens to have have trained himself to an amazing level with his sword play and his horseback riding and his tiny ninja bat throwing things yeah yeah, yeah. so you have batman you have zorro you have lone ranger they are yeah they yeah. are variations on the western theme so okay batman's you know straddles but you get into the avengers you get into you know captain america the hulk mm-hmm. you know those places you're you're definitely parking on samson those are those are coming downstream okay gotcha all right let's talk setting then because that's always fascinating to me i had a, sure. a friend from england who was asking me why i liked some Hemingway stories and he said, you couldn't see anything. He's like, they're all about the frontier. I just don't understand that. And I thought, well, as an English person, (laughs) as an American, I can't understand not liking the idea of the frontier. Right. And wanting to find the frontier. No, it's baked into your DNA quite literally. Yeah. You descend from people who decided to head West. Yeah. And it's there. It's, it is quite literally in your bones. And if you descend from people who decided to stay put and never leave, That's like, it's there. It's in your DNA. It's in your, right. it's either in your heartstrings or not. It just doesn't call to him, I guess. No. That's stories That's stories about <laughs> stories about rodents in the hedge call to him. <laughs> and that can sound uh, dismissive, but it's not. I like no. stories about rodents in the hedge. Yeah. But it's a different kind of appeal. Right. So the head west, like over yeah. the next hill, stories of discovery and quest and frontier are really- Danger. Yeah danger and maybe getting eaten by wolves when the fire dies <laughs> <laughs> yeah and wearing uh even even the mud boot style uh, approach of building yeah. the house against the mud yeah battling the elements right as opposed to building where there's been a hedge for literally forever one thousand years yeah. <laughs> so building where it has never been done before is is kind of a uniquely american thing and that is and you know some people could say but it had been done before there were people there before sure in different spots, not where I am. <laughs> yeah. I am in a place where there was no civilization. Right. None. So, yeah. people, people have dug roots there before. There has been a war there before. People have farmed before, but they've never built there before. Yeah. And that kind of desire to go, you know, find that hill, find that valley, be in that place and to civilize. Yeah. You know, sort of to build a homely house, you yeah. know, in, in those places, that's the last homely house. Yeah, hopefully not the last homely house, <laughs> but if it needs to be, it will be. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, okay, so connect this back to judges. It seems like that's kind of where the judge takes you. Is it, t- it brings the rest of us to a place where we build our houses, where we have our vine and fig tree. You know, the, ju- the judge is required yeah. to come through in order for the rest of us to follow. Yeah, the man who is not of this world yeah. passes through and he sets things right. He flips tables he turns over tables he he overthrows dirty sheriffs and behind him as he leaves people put down roots they plant trees they garden telling stories about the man who came yeah before. the man who came when the man came around you know it's like that's that is kind of the the form of it and one of the reasons why you have kind of the so much brokenness in westerns there's a lot of like sticky beat the bad guy get the girl westerns too but it, when you get to the classic typology it's often a guy who can't have a relationship also like he's well, he's so not of that. this world he's so not of this world obviously there can be a delilah um, but there is not he is not the one who drops roots he moves on he is a purifying fire he is he is the wind he's an act of god in a very real sense and the people behind can live in peace because he's there 
that bulwark that's you know taking the brunt but not always right you know not always and sometimes over time it's become kind of been communicated with just a restlessness you know like the cowboy who's always moving west or moving yeah. on but it originated as an echo as a direct echo yeah of what we see no, i think that works i'm thinking of ab guthrie and the way west and all those but of course there's a lot earlier than that because we've got one of I mean, portis right yeah yeah and i didn't realize riders of the purple sage was 1912 like i didn't right. realize that was pre-world war one and then of course obviously we go back to one of someone who strikes a special chord for you james fenimore <laughs> yeah i i like james fenimore cooper weirdly <laughs> There, it is a special, it is a special chord because it is both ludicrous, the last of the Mohicans and all that jazz. All the leather, leather stocking tales. Yep. It's ludicrous and also really fun. Right. Because that's frontier stories from the other side of the Mississippi. Yeah. Frontier stories when the frontier was New England. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just the, the very, very Northern Southeast. <laughs> yeah. It's just wild. Anyway, I like Cooper. I enjoyed Cooper, but I also really love Mark Twain's evisceration of Cooper. Yeah, that essay is one you can't forget. Yeah, it's, it's, I love, I love it when kids read the two together, you know, read Last of the Mohicans and then read Mark Twain deconstructing Last of the Mohicans and it's, or scenes in those books and it's, it's a glorious thing. But uh, it is also, as a side note, deeply, it's deeply American and has affected us in good and bad ways, uh, according to Europeans, these Western stories. And I referenced Die Hard in earlier. I just watched Die Hard filtered. Uh, I, I'm always going to Yeah, you got to say that on Filtered. <laughs> I just watched Die Hard and there's a crack that Alan Rickman makes of, you know, you're just another American who watched too many movies as a child. Yeah. And uh, John McClane, Bruce Willis's character says, I was always, you know, partial to Roy Rogers. Yeah. And then there's the famous yippee Kaye lines with filtered right. out words right afterward. Yeah. And yippee Kaye becomes this callback catchphrase through the through the rest of the story right people who have no bone to pick john mcclain just happens to be there because he's pursuing restoration of his marriage and he takes on this fight that's not his you know it found him but you know you you reference western stories from 1912 pre-world war one how did america successfully get into two massive european wars when we are not in Europe. <laughs> when we are not in Europe. Um, and the second time, a massive Asian war and a massive European war. Now- Don't leave out Africa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can't leave out Africa. You know, how did we get ourselves into that? What's the psychology of Americans that gets us into those places for good and ill? Like times we've been in foreign wars and foreign frontiers that were not our fight. We shouldn't have been there. And other times when we should have. We should have been there sooner. Uh, the Rwandan genocide, we should have been in there sooner. We knew. Clinton knew. There were people who knew what was happening and we held back and said, not us. Yeah. Um, and that represents kind of a departure from this old ethos, this old Western ethos of, well, shall we say the golden rule. Yeah. The lawmen were required to be the lawmen. Yeah. We're not the world's police. No, we're not. Right. When police are understood as people just giving out speeding tickets or issuing environmental citations of some other nation trying to get up out of the third world and we keep stifling them with Paris treaties, <laughs> yeah, yeah. whatever might be the case or imperialism that shows up and harvests all the natural resources and then takes off again. There's a lot of ways that kind of interference goes very badly. But if you think of the, the Western typology, the book of Judges, if you can 
if you have the ability to simply go in without self-interest and stop evil, do you have that obligation? And we have this weird trigger where we say, but there's no self-interest. So it's immoral for a president to do it unless there's something in it for us. Like that's not exactly how the stories go. So anyway, it's tricky and how the book of judges affects your foreign policy is a completely different discussion, but but it's kind of the same. Discussion. It's kind of the same. When we when yeah. you send guys in, when we send people into absurd situations, when you send seals in to rescue Captain Phillips on uh, you know, on a tanker off the coast it's of Somalia. Pirated. Yeah. You know, when we hunt down bin Laden, you know, it's like it's it's all there. I mean, it's these stories that we make choices. Presidents make choices. They make choices based on their narrative catechisms they grew up with where the levers of good and evil are and also whether or not self-interest sanctifies an action or has nothing to do with the sanctity of an action anyway it's it's complex but it's it's fun it's interesting and it actually reinforces what we've been talking about and the whole point of this podcast is that stories are soul food soul food for individuals soul food for for cultures those people who are saying back in 1939 it's not our fight that's not our fight you know, spinning in circles and, and being in denial about what was happening to the Jews, whistling past the graveyard as London is bombed. You know, it's like this, as we had this tension in the US, do we get in there or do we not? Who, right. who are the good guys? And, you know, that, that was really not up for grabs. Um, yeah. Except for a massive worldview question of who are the good guys? Are the good guys people pursuing eugenics and the purification of the Aryan race? Well, like, the, the is that good? Is no. <laughs> is, that, is that goodness? But there was a bunch of people saying yes. There were a huge number yeah. of Hitler sympathizers and I mean, Ameri- that, that Americans, was, yeah. Yeah, that's what was going on over here. And that's why we didn't get into the war sooner is because we were kind of, we were torn. We were not unified on it. And so- And I think we were also wanting to make sure Britain had paid us enough to buy the army. The from <laughs> us. <laughs> yeah. And in British writers like Peter Hitchens be- bemoan <laughs> yeah. the fact that they were an occupied nation. In order to beat the Nazis, they had to surrender to America. And so, American culture showed up and took over. We occupied, they were an occupied nation yeah. and we occupied England and then won the war. Not alone, but you know, almost alone. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's anyway. because we make the movies. Yeah, but, we make the movies. So, yeah. we told the story about it afterward. But Westerns, the book of Judges, the story of Christ, you know, it's like coming into the world and doing what he did. Those are things which can powerfully motivate people. Uh, those getting those stories into your bones powerfully motivates people and can be abused, can be used in a propagandistic way. Yeah. And people, just be bad yeah. writing. Yeah. There's, yeah, enough there's bad. always bad writing. There's yeah. always bad application. But Westerns for a long time were our catechism and they were sort of the indirect extrapolation of Old Testament story. Yeah, retold, recast in our own setting. So that's the question I had. Then, if we've got time to z- to zip into it, how come the Western genre has crashed so hard? Because I guess it seems in the seventies, and I, I, there's been, a, I guess, a bit of a modern renaissance with some remakes of some old movies. Yeah, but it does seem like it's really cliched itself, or maybe that's what the problem was. But in the seventies and eighties, and up through the early thousands, you know, genre they beca- it became perhaps in the literary pretentiousness, just the equivalent of a romance novel 
or, 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 or it did seem like the genre got affected badly by. I mean, I, th- I think there's anytime you have something that succeeds, then you have people who they overgraze their cattle. They clear cut the timber. And I think that happened. So we will see like people will in the not too distant future be asking the same thing about superhero stories. Okay. Yeah, like, for sure. How did superhero stories crash? Well, I think all of us could say right now how they're going to crash. It's like, because you're going to milk that cow till it dies. Stop yep. it. <laughs> you know, it's like, you're dynamiting all the fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like you're, you're overfishing, you're overhunting, you're overgrazing. Yeah. You're just, you won't stop. And it's, it, I think COVID actually has bought the superhero genre a little more time because everybody's just taking a break. <laughs> so, we forget what, that the last Marvel movie was exactly like the one before it. Yeah, over and over and over again. But um, anyway... It's uh, why did the Western die? It's like, well, it didn't. Like I, I just said, like Die Hard's a Western. Yeah. Like it is a, it follows the Western structure. Right. Uh, True Grit is an overt Western. It did quite well yeah. in, in remake. No Country for Old Men is an, uh, an inversion of a Western. Hell or yeah. High Water is a Western. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and to jump over to novels, like Peace Like a River is clearly yeah, sees yeah, itself. Yeah, Peace Like a River is, is uh, absolutely. But the, I'd say... Fiction books, if I'm, you know, I was referring to movies because we've been talking about superheroes, but novels are struggling en masse. You know, novels are just struggling. So, long form storytelling is suffering. And uh, there was a time when Westerns could just, you know, they just went the Louis L'Amore phase where go, 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 go. But I think people who currently have that itch to scratch, if they have the need, the desire, for that kind of story, they go to film. Okay. They, it's just there. It's more readily available. I don't know. I, I could be overlooking something, but I don't know of a Western novel written recently that had success. Right. I that guarantee isn't just you, plain pulp. Yeah, yeah. I guarantee you it lives on in grocery stores or whatever. It's, yeah. you know, there's an, you know, a niche for it, but I don't know of a, a mainstream success. But that's the same thing of crime. You know, it's like it's yeah. got a niche. It's bigger and it's fueled by shows and movies. Because it's such an easy template for recurring series. But I mean, Longmire is another example. Those are based on right. novels. Yeah, that's true. So that shows riffed off of uh, novels. I'm trying to think of others. Bark Skins is amazing, that show. Shout out to Walter Kern for his work on that show. And that's Ooh, off Bark a novel. Bark Skins a show? It's a show based off a novel by Annie Prue. Oh, yeah. I know, I know Annie Prue. And it's enough to make me want to go read the... Interesting. And it's very early. It's Fenimore Cooper you know, phase. It's, right. you know, we're talking about French Canadia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We liked Longmire. I don't remember that. For a minute. Much, for how, much, <laughs> yeah. how much filtering was required. <laughs> yeah. But it's, I haven't read the, I haven't read the stories, but it's, you know, basically it's enough to tell you. And I have, I have a couple ideas for books, short stories. And Justified was huge. Justified yeah, was a show right. that was huge. And it's also, it's based off Portis, right? Isn't that a Portis novel? A short story? I think you're right, but I can't remember. Yeah, I think it's a short story by Portis. So, all this to say is, no, the Western's not dead. Just in novel form. Now, even there, like the fact, I mean, these projects the are, ones are based, based off on of- it. Yeah, okay. So, I'm aware of them because of a series, but um, I know there was written material behind them. There's probably more I'm not even thinking about right now. But we can talk more about superhero stuff down the line. Yeah. But the takeaway here would be, Read the story of Samson with your kids. Right. Do it for real. Like actually for real and, and think about what you're reading. You're reading a, a promise of the coming Messiah. 
And you can see why you can see why Christ confused people. Because here's Samson, this, you know, this prophecy, this promise. And then here's the healer. You know, yeah, he's calming storms. He's not smashing gates. He's flipping tables and he's undermining the entire world. But he doesn't take the gate off of the city. He takes the gate off of hell. You know, he tears the right. gate off of hell and exits. He had a bigger enemy in mind yeah. than the and Romans. Yeah, and so... But they kind of, yeah, exactly. And, and so, if he had showed up and just knocked Roman heads, then I think he would have been more easily spotted by Jews who were yearning. Mm -hmm. And of course, many, many thousands did, you know, spot very early. Right. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like the fact that he tore the gates off of hell and other people escaped with him as he left is a really interesting detail that gets omitted. So the uh, the five hundred people who show up, the dead who show up around Jerusalem and are seen, hey, like whoa, <laughs> like a, whoa. that's kind of interesting. But Samson is a great is a great place to start in telling Bible stories. The flood is another great place. Tell the real story. What do we do when you know the answer? I think in some ways obvious, but what do we do when a story catches in your throat a bit or it rubs us the wrong way? Like especially through the book of Judges where you're reading that and you're like, whoa. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, this is uh this is rough. <laughs> yeah. This is a rough little story. Uh we have to submit our modern sensibilities and sensitivities and whether they're Victorian quote unquote conservative sensibilities or they are very, very current woke sensibilities, whatever right. they are. Yeah, if it's tiny, to, tiny Tim style, God bless us everyone. Yeah, if you're like... if you are if you think conservative Christianity is sentimentality. The book of Judges is going to take a nice big ball of, I was going to say steel wool, but you know, we could just say a sanding block. It's going to take that and just really, really right over take, off all, take, off, yeah, take off all your sentimentality as you, as you read that. Yeah. You have to, we all have to pursue, try to labor to love what God loves and hate what God hates. And we should love the stories that he loves. And we should not have, we should not be holier than God. We should not hesitate. When we read in Hebrews who made it into the hall of fame of faith, we should not find ourselves more pious, more holy, and having higher standards than God does. Where we're like, well, I would not put Samson. I would not. Right. I, you know. I don't like that Samson's wife got burned down in her house. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Like, really? I don't like this. And we, we don't need to like it like we like chocolate, but we should stop expecting to like God's stories like we like chocolate. Right. We should expect them, expect to like them like we like, you know, a really, really complex whiskey that you have to handle very carefully. Yeah. Uh, or a fantastic steak. Right. Yeah. The food metaphor works well here. Yeah. And a good thing we use that at the title of this podcast. <laughs> Fancy us. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's don't go there thinking my Victorian sensibilities that I identify as conservative Christian, my sentimentality is going to be pleased by the book of Judges. Right. Or my sense of modern justice. I think that's exactly. a big, big or, part. Or my very, very hip hashtag woke right. sensibilities that I only just learned this yeah. last year. They also will be trod upon by Moses, intensely by Moses. One of my um, thresholds, one of my litmus tests, things I would practice doing over the last decade plus is when I was in a professional situation where people I was working with would then would ask me a question about scripture and say, well, you don't think that, you know, fill in the blank. I would generally always say some version of no, because they have a stereo, they have a 
you know, some kind of stereotype misunderstanding of I'm not going to be able to explain the ceremonial law. You know, right. the, different, the difference between the moral law and the ceremonial Shellfish. law. Yeah, polyester. I'm not going to be able to do that in, uh, over a coffee, right, you know, in a work break. But I would practice, instead of flinching away from that stuff, I would practice aligning myself with it. So, if somebody would say, you don't believe, I mean, you don't really believe in creation, do you? Then I would immediately sign myself up for the global flood also and, oh, nice. and add that a giraffe's head was sticking out the back, just like in the children's <laughs> illustrations. I love that. And, and it honestly works great in those conversations. But anyway, practice reading scripture and practice reading scripture saying, I'm on Moses's team. Right. Like, I'm on team Moses. Yeah. And if somebody says, and here, here's a tough one for you when you read the stories. If somebody's like, well, you don't think that homosexuals should be executed. Like, well, no, the, the impulse is no. No, of course not. But they, that is creating separation between you and Old Testament saints. And so the question is, do you have the nerve to say, no, of course not. But if you gave me a time machine, <laughs> oh, yeah. would I be willing to stand beside Moses and say, amen? And that's a, that's a different question. Was it immoral for the Jews, for the Israelites in the wilderness to obey that law? Was it immoral for them to obey that law then? And if you feel your fur kind of going the wrong direction, well, it's like, well, <laughs> like, no, of course not. It would, would have been immoral for them not to obey God. God spoke off of Sinai and they needed to obey the Lord just like you do now. And we happen to be in a different time where there has been an execution. There has been one and Christ was nailed to a cross. And, you know, everybody who's got guilt is welcomed into that execution. Yeah. We are all welcomed into that. We've all been crucified with him. Anybody who has repented and believed and been baptized is in the crucifixion. We're in the execution. Right. Died with Christ. Yeah. But the thing is, the first thing, rather than just retreating away from those Old Testament stories and running away and say, those make me uncomfortable. I don't think those work in 2020. Sure. No, they don't work in 2020. They weren't meant to, but they are meant to feed you in 2020. Yeah. You know, they should embolden you in 2020. So, reading those stories and not trying to make them G, not trying to make the story of the flood G, not trying to make yeah. Samson's story G, they don't yeah. have to get explicit for you to be telling the truth. Right. And, and if you listen to this in 2021, which I think you will, <laughs> yeah. it goes double. <laughs> 2020 is representative of the entire decade, just so you know. <laughs> we'll be seeing 2020 and 2027. <laughs> right. I agree. It's just going to keep on going. If only it would stop when the ball dropped, but it won't. Nope. And you all know that because you were, like Brian just said, listening to this on the other side of that ball drop. So, yeah. all the things we, we now speaking do not know that happened, that you <laughs> now know about. <laughs> yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a regular old Western. Anyway, I think the, uh, the bones of strong Western storytelling are all in scripture. Yeah. And our sensibilities about what stories are good and what stories are bad, well, it should, they should be programmed by scripture. So, do we like vampire stories? No, we can talk about that later if we haven't already. Have we covered vampire no, stories? No, I think we need to. Yeah, we can, we can do that. Do we like superhero stories? Sometimes. Depends. Yeah. yeah, it depends because, yep, that can be clean water. That can be good stuff. Can be, not of necessity. Do we shovel it down without thinking? No. That's the rule. Do, yeah, the exactly. Do we, uh, do we like Westerns? Of course we like Westerns because we like the Book of Judges. We're Americans, darn it. Yeah, and Christians. So, even <laughs> you Brits who don't have that weird Lewis and Clark sensibility, yeah, uh, who think we're nuts, who think we're insane, 
And because because we are, and we're kind of proud of it. Even you, yea, verily you, you're Christians. You should love the book of Judges, which means you should like Westerns. Yeah. And I know my friend Peter Hitchens loves Westerns. And he once told me that 310 to Yuma was one of his favorites. There we go. With uh, Russell Crowe and Class. Christian Bale. So good. Yeah. And he, with great pleasure, quoted for me his favorite line in his accent, which I will not impersonate. You can tell us what the line is though, right? Yes. And he said his favorite line was, even bad guys love their mums. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, <laughs> In- incorrect. There were no mums. <laughs> but I was, I have a very, a, a very firm memory of Peter Hitchens in Oxford where we're eating dinner telling me that, quoting that line. Even, love their mums. Even bad guys love their mums. There, you did the accent. I didn't, I didn't. I did the depth of his voice. But uh, anyway, Peter's right. He was right to love that particular story. He's right to love Westerns. But open your eyes, get picky. And when you throw one away, reject it because it runs contrary to the grain of God's reality, to the grain of his storytelling. To the book of Judges. Yeah, to the book of Judges. And there you go. That's a wrap. Stories are soul food, people. Feed yourselves. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Stories or Soul Food podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, we want to ask if you would please leave us a rating and a review on whatever platform you're using. Those ratings and reviews help us get this podcast in front of more and more people. Cheers. Cheers.